0: Well, after a very long hiatus, we're back at the podcast. Welcome back, Rick.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to be doing this again. I it, can't
0: even remember the last one we feels, did.
1: It feels like a long time ago for a variety of reasons. We needed to take a break. I appreciate everybody being uh, patient yeah. uh, with us. We're even dropping episode one kind of a week late, but here we go. We're, we are back in the We knew it was going to be a saddle. while, and yeah. it took
0: uh, even longer than we anticipated. Too much uh, traveling, too many illnesses. It's just been uh, a ride.
1: Yeah, it's hard to podcast when we're not on the same continent. So, it does add an extra I'm, layer. I'm of back in the US, we've kicked off a brand new message series. We're in a great season of ministry. I'm really looking forward to. Like there's never a time of the year that I don't enjoy, but this is like just for me oh my goodness, I, I love it. We're kicking off a New Testament book study. This is going to take us all the way up uh, to Holy Week and we've got Easter, which I, which I love. Oh man, it's good times. Mm, for me, I, good times.
0: I particularly enjoy the message series that we also have small groups working along in mm-hmm. conjunction with that series that are studying it and going a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. I mean, each each series has its own merit, but, uh, but I know, I hear from so many people how much more of the marrow they can just get out of the messages when they have time to talk about it with their small group.
1: It wouldn't hurt my feelings if somebody said not all message series are created equal. Um, I think they're all valuable, uh, but no, there's a there's a lot of heavy lifting in and in a big team effort that goes into uh, our or the the series that have a, a small group. Uh, study along with it. the the um, the study book that you guys put together. That's fantastic. I love it when people in the congregation are joined together and having these dialogues and studying and praying through this together. Oh man, that's that's good stuff.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah, I think so too. And so this the series that we're doing in First Timothy, uh, it has kind of an interesting series thesis, and I thought maybe we could start off by talking about that a little bit sure. throughout the book the filter that you're helping us kind of think through as we're approaching each chapter is this. We teach what we know, but reproduce who we are. Yeah. And I know you're beginning to kind of develop that as Mm -hmm. we go, but uh, maybe could you just say a little bit more about that now?
1: Yeah. And you know, in some ways, this might be a yeah, we know this. And that's true. this is not this is not novel. this isn't this isn't brand new information. This is just another way to remember the things that we believe are important, but never enough. Uh, remembering and and saying out loud and reaffirming the things that we teach and believe really important that's not enough. It's the integration of what we know to be true and how we live our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul is doing. That's what Paul is doing with Timothy. I mean, this church is experiencing tremendous division. Uh, there, It seems like there's even fistfights, um, <laughs> physical alterc- altercations going on uh, in that church. And even if that is overstated, clearly anger um, and and disputes are a real problem. And all of this is traced back to they are not living the gospel. Mm. Um, in some, in some hand, part of the gospel is being held to and uh, believe uh, it's being polluted with with false teaching. But they're not living the gospel. And we've already seen uh, in this series. We're actually recording this right now after doing the first two messages. And so, if you're listening to this, you've probably hopefully you've heard the first two messages we've already seen in chapter one and chapter two paul keeps doubling down on the gospel this Mm -hmm. is what we know but it's also who we are Mm -hmm. Um, and i think every every school teacher knows this every sports coach knows this every parent every grandparent every older sibling we know this is that what we say and what we teach super important but it is it it doesn't have the same impact of what we model. Mm-hmm. And that's really what's passed on. Mm. And I just love how Paul uh, continues to nurture that in this younger leader, Timothy, and really nurture it um, in all the folks who are in the church at Ephesus and all the way down to us today.
0: Mm-hmm. So how did you see that that thesis kind of working itself out in chapter one? I and mean, there is a lot about what we know in chapter one. I think it's
1: probably just me being brilliant. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on.
1: <laughs> um, no, it was, as I was, I've been studying this this book for about a year. I mean, just marinating in it over and over, reading it over and over and over again, making notes. And um, it just kind of over and over again, just reading, thinking, writing down. Really, it's it's chapter 4, verse 16 that Jumped off the page at me one day when I was saying, I think this is really the, the, the it, it captures the essence of this letter. Mm-hmm. When Paul says to Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul brings together doctrine, belief, what we know to be true, and how you live. Mm. It's so, the, the series thesis, it's, it's our best effort at really trying to honor the essence of what this letter is about, helping us to to remember that. And so that's just, that's our swing at trying to remember what Paul said. What's your life and your doctrine? This is the way for salvation for you and for those who are following your lead. Mm. So that's where it came from.
0: I, I'm excited about this lens mm-hmm. that we have towards the series, because uh, so often First Timothy gets kind of categorized as a manual for leadership or um, even maybe kind of falsely like a primer for how to approach leadership within the church. And there mm-hmm. certainly are many places in this letter where we're going to see some very practical application of that. But it yes. does seem to have a much broader focus. It's not mm-hmm. limited to that. Correct. There is so much more about the the essential truths of the mm-hmm. gospel, the implications of that, and why we would be motivated to live that gospel message out in so many different arenas of our life.
1: I think it's dripping with leadership lessons, uh, leadership applications, and and and, and really, really, and in, in some ways, this is this is how to do leadership. This is who should do leadership. We're really going to get into that uh, in 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 chapter three. Uh, that'll be that'll be coming up shortly. But it's primarily about salvation and the gospel. That's what that's what this book that's what this book is about, or this mm. this letter is about.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's look a little bit more at chapter one specifically. Okay, um, much of what you brought out in the message helped us to see the the importance of not allowing false teaching in the church you had your great ice cream analogy with pouring ketchup was, and mustard you know what
1: that was so fun for me not just to not just to <laughs> not just to do it but just watching everybody who's there in the room and the way they responded i just oh man we were i think
0: there are audible groans yeah, in all it was three fun. services it was
1: it was fun yeah <laughs>
0: Although I did hear of a few people like, yeah, I would have tried it. I
1: know. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I would have eaten the ice cream with ketchup and mustard on it, I expect you to volunteer for junior high ministry.
0: So so for anyone, yeah, that was a really good response. For, for anyone who might not have heard that message, can you maybe explain again what you meant by the yeah, ketchup um, and mustard on ice cream? Yeah,
1: I love ice cream. It is... Um, I, I can't enjoy it as a late night snack, uh, but I wish that I could. And there was a there was a less healthier version of me that used to enjoy it um, in bed before I'd go to sleep. And that just can't happen, uh, especially not at the age demographic that I'm in now. Um, but I love ice cream. It's delicious. It's wonderful. It's one of God's gifts to humanity. And but you always want to put you, you want to put stuff on it. You want to you want to put stuff in it. And so I I squirted I, I had ice cream out, and people were like yeah I want some ice cream. And I squirted ketchup and mustard on it. Just a way to say you could take something good, but when you mix in something that shouldn't be mixed in with it, it becomes gross and ugly. And what was happening in the the church in Ephesus is they took something good, the gospel, and through behavior. Uh, uh, through through false teaching, through some of the things that they, they, they were doing, um, they were mixing in ugly things with the gospel, and it made life with Jesus look gross and feel gross, and it was a major turnoff. It made this life with Jesus unattractive when really life with jesus is is it's full of truth goodness and beauty we should be drawn into it and the way that we live following him should help other people see the truth goodness and beauty and and draw them in to 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 want him to to explore him to be at least be curious uh, about him and the gospel that he gives and so that's why we that's why we use that and we want to be on guard against things that would mix in ugliness with the gospel and a real honest reading of this letter means i've got to be i got to be on guard against things that are out there but i also have to be on guard against things that are in me
0: mm-hmm. there are things
1: that are that are in me that if i if i'm not if i'm not careful i will contribute to mixing mm-hmm. in ugliness with the gospel
0: so Paul speaking as one of the great apostles is writing to Timothy, who is basically the the pastor, the overseer, the the leader of this church at Ephesus at this point. And it's easy to understand the heart behind how important it would be for him to convey, you know, Timothy, you've got this problem of this false teaching happening in your church. You need mm-hmm. to command them to stop doing that. And yeah. and, uh, and he even brought out that the purpose of that is love. You mm-hmm. know, this is a very good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to see the necessity to stand up against any kind of false teaching or distortion of the gospel in a church setting, uh, particularly for pastors and leaders to be on guard against that. Uh, But can you speak a little bit more to the application more broadly for all of us as followers of Jesus when we do encounter either something that's being said that's just not quite the right thing, yeah. you know, catch yeah, yeah, up yeah. in the gospel kind of stuff like that. That's such
1: a good question. I mean, it, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, that question might be more poignant and better than a lot of people may even realize because yes, Timothy was the point leader in this church in Ephesus, but it wasn't like they all gathered together in one location. He is the leader of leaders over a network of church of congregations that are meeting and houses all over the city and probably on the outskirts of the city. I mean, this is, it's both bigger and smaller than mm-hmm. the way that we imagine and the way that it's being played out is often in much smaller locations maybe it's 20 30 40 people meeting in a house and there's a there's a group of of elders who are leading and and this one congregation and then there's another house maybe on the other side of the city and the same thing is is mm-hmm. happening there so it happens in a much more um, intimate personal maybe even what feels much more casual mm-hmm. environment something that we would experience in small groups
0: yeah so speak to our small group leaders
1: yeah. So, if someone were to if someone were to bring up um, or to advocate for something that is antithetical to the gospel, or violates or contradicts the gospel, well, but well, we have to have the courage to address that. But remember, the goal of this command is is love, and how we address that, it should look like. We are living out the fruit of the spirit. It should come through a filter of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so, like, if, say if we're in a small group and you like you 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 give a you you give a you give a perspective, and and it's and it's off. I'm not going to pounce on um, that. I'm not going to be uh, try to make you look stupid. But I do I do want to I do want to engage in um, one of the things and. I mean, one of the things that I love to do when I'm leading a small group is just say, "Do we have permission to disagree? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to share with you something that's different, and 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 I appreciate you sharing honestly about how how you see it, but that actually is that actually does contradict what Paul says here, or that does contradict what the text says here. That the, the, this, that perspective is something different than than the gospel, mm-hmm. um, and so we don't have to engage in a hostile way. We can engage in in a very in a very loving way, and I think that that is it's it's going to play out in a very calm way, the overwhelming majority of of the time. Mm. But part of the situation that that Paul is addressing is there are people who are they are trying to get control. They're trying to get control, um, and they're trying to dominate, and they're trying to impose something. Well, that. That doesn't require an equal measure of dominance and aggression from us. What it does require is is courage, and uh, to to engage that person and explain why that's not acceptable. Mm. Um, and it, I think I've said this before, and I hope it doesn't sound like a cop out. You can't you can't make wisdom into a policy. It requires a lot of wisdom to know how to engage in a, in, a, in a particular in a particular setting. And so as a leader of a small group, I'm going to, whenever something's coming up, I'm going to engage that person one-on-one, and I'm going to do my best to make sure that I'm not putting them in a situation where they're losing face. But if there is something that's advocated for that violates the gospel in the group setting, I do also have to address that mm-hmm.
0: then. How about in a different scenario, mm-hmm. maybe outside of the church setting, it's it's one thing to to identify it in the church setting, mm-hmm. but... What's the responsibility that someone might have when you see something that's very anti-gospel in a secular setting?
1: Well, I think we I think we should expect that. Um, and what my mind immediately goes to something uh, that the Apostle Paul said to the Church at Corinth. He says, "Who am I to judge those who are, who are outside the who are, who are outside the church?" That's none of my it's none of my business. Now, I. <clears throat> The, the overwhelming majority of my career has been you know in the, in the church. I've had some jobs out outside of the church. but so my experience is going to be um, a bit a bit limited and there, there are people, they're there fantastic believers who spent the majority, if not all of their career um, outside of the, the church world and they probably have better wisdom to provide than, than what I, what I have to, to provide. Uh, but I think what we need to do in those moments, are collaborate wherever we can collaborate um, in moments that there is something in your workplace that violates your conscience that goes against what you it's just something that you don't believe that you can do you're going to have to you're going to have to engage that you're going to have to talk to to your bosses the power structures and your uh, whoever whoever you work for but in such a way that you are modeling love and wisdom as you love wisdom and humility as you do it Mm-hmm. so I feel like I'm I feel like this is a bit nebulous and you need to kind of help bring me out of the clouds down <laughs> into the real world will you, will you help me with that with how you ask me some follow-up sure, questions
0: sure so I think people can naturally feel the uh the responsibility of of having a conversation in the church setting when things seem like they're going a little bit sideways mm-hmm. or someone's maybe um, trying to add something to. What it really means mm-hmm. to be a follower of Jesus that shouldn't be there yeah. but but so many people live around people who aren't following Jesus at yeah. all and they're espousing all kinds of ideas that are mm-hmm. so far across the board from mm-hmm. uh, from what we what we should be about as as people who are trying to become like Jesus. Um, and that that weight of responsibility can still feel there. And so as, as we live in a culture that's Mm -hmm. becoming increasingly far Mm -hmm. from the way of Jesus, Mm -hmm. um, help us think through where we have actual responsibility to call out false teaching, and where we just have to expect we live in a a culture that's very much against the way of Jesus, it just is what it is, and how do we instead model it?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that we're pilgrims. Right, we're, we're 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 pilgrims, and there's a, and when we talk about responsibility, it's also important to remember the difference between responsible to, and responsible for.
0: Okay, um, about that.
1: So, I have a responsibility to all people uh, to love them and to, um, and to live the truth, and to and to and to tell the truth. I don't have a responsibility for what they do. Um, and I think we get in trouble when we confuse responsible to versus responsible for, and we try to take control or we try to impose our view. Even, even we might be right about something. We try to we, try, we cross the line and try to be controlling, a little imposing. I don't want to do that. Um, I don't have the right. I don't believe that I have the right to do that. I don't believe I have a. I don't believe I'm given a mandate by God um, to do that. I am an ambassador of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm an ambassador of the king.
0: That that yeah I think that's a helpful distinction. Mm-hmm. Uh so we we have just been talking a little bit about identifying false teaching in a church setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit about maybe outside mm-hmm. of the church setting. Let's shift gears a little bit and think about it in our own individual heart. Okay. Uh, there was a, a line that you had in the message that talked about us all being vulnerable, typically, mm-hmm. to erring on one side of the fence or the other. We may be tempted to either add yeah. commands to the Bible or yeah, yeah, tempted yeah. to overlook or remove certain commands. Sure. Um, walk us again through uh, through what you suggested might be the way that we could self diagnose our tendency. Uh, yeah.
1: Um, I, if there, there are two ditches, um, one is to add, um, extra commands. The other is to, uh, remove essential commands. And I think for those of us, and, and people may disagree, that's totally, that's totally allowed. Um, but if we are drawn to control and certainty, then we might find that we're vulnerable to the temptation that we're gonna be, that we wanna add commands because adding extra rules is a way of, ma- of getting control because it can feel safer when, there, when there's more control. And that's one of the reasons that we're, that we're drawn to, to adding, adding more rules. On the flip side of that is if you're drawn to, if we're drawn to nuance and independence, we might be vulnerable to the temptation of explaining away Essential commands, mm-hmm. um, and that's just as harmful. It's just as harmful um, to um, to to ignore the good commands that God has given us as it is to um, add extra that would. Uh, misunderstand and and pollute what God has given us. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: So most of us probably have enough self-awareness to know if we're likely to be the control freak side or Mm -hmm. if if we're more likely the free-spirited, don't don't box me in type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But what do we do with that? Because self-awareness is only going to get us so far.
1: You know, I... You know, I'm reminded of the psalmist who said, Search me, search my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is it fine? Is there any offensive way in me? I mean, when we recognize that? There's something about when we see God, and there's so many other. Um, brilliant just pastors uh who've talked about this that as we see god and we really come into a knowledge of who he is that ultimately leads to a greater knowledge of who we are and and a self-understanding of who we are And just to come before him uh, in humility and prayers and if i'm if i'm doing this would you help me to see it and i want to we we've talked about this before um maybe off air just kind of in our in our conversations is christian life is not a solo project mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not an independent endeavor the christian life is intended to be lived in community mm-hmm. and one of the one of the things that our brothers and sisters in christ do for us is they help us to see uh, those things in us um, and I'm grateful, mm-hmm. grateful for that. It may not always be fun in the moment when someone says, no, Hey, can I not fun? But yeah.
0: boy, what a sweet thing it is when you have a friend that's yeah. so close that you can say, "Yeah, you know, can you help me diagnose where I might be sure. seeing this a little bit wrong? Or what do you see in my life here that, that maybe you can get a little bit better picture of it than I can see myself.
1: So let's go back to the two questions that you asked prior. So if you're in a small group, or you're in a group and you feel like someone is, um, promoting something or teaching something that's that's contrary to the gospel if you're not really sure or even if you feel like you are sure it's always good to ask somebody else other people who you think are wise hey is this an example of this person just sharing their perspective or have we crossed the line into into now we're teaching and advocating something that's that contradicts the gospel um I I'm a big fan of let's don't try to do this alone. Let's mm-hmm. this is, this is a team sport. The Christian life is a team sport. So let's live it as a team sport. There's safety in a multitude of wise counsel. Um, so let's take that approach. And out in the world, you feel like I, you know, I love people. I, I want things to be better. I seeing this lies being spread or this isn't good. This isn't helpful. I want to be, I, I don't want to cross the line of responsible two versus responsible for. How are you seeing this? Would you, would you help me? I mean, process that through, with with other people, I mean, we're not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're, this is not a solo project. You yeah, know? you're not you're not out there by yourself. We we do this together. There's 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 so much just safety and comfort and confidence that can come from within the Christian community and the wisdom that's
0: that's found in the community. Oh, not just safety, but mm-hmm. but beauty in yeah. seeing things in a maybe mm-hmm. more multi dimensional way than mm-hmm. than you'd be able to see yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And and in leadership, that's a, a joy to not yeah. feel like you're carrying the burden of something all by yourself, but that you've got a team of other people that you can go to and talk to and run things by. Yeah, that's a very essential nature of, of life, let alone the Christian life. Absolutely. Well, there was one more statement that you made in the message that I think was a very, very powerful statement uh, in reflecting on our own sin, mm. and a little bit of a humility towards our own sin with a little bit of a guard against not necessarily um, over-focusing yeah. on the sins of others. And that statement was, I'll never be more disappointed in you than I am in myself. Yeah. And we asked our small group questions and some of the questions for this week just to, to respond to their reaction to that statement, first of mm-hmm. all, because it's a it's a statement that requires a deep level of humility mm-hmm. to believe and to act out of. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about just kind of the implications of that statement and that mm-hmm. approach to other people mm-hmm. uh and then I've got some follow-up questions for you on that too.
1: Yeah, can I would it be okay if I started by talking about how we can misunderstand that statement?
0: Well, those are some of my follow-up questions. Okay. So let's go <laughs> let's, so let's go there let's right start away.
1: Here. It's it would be a misunderstanding of this of this statement to say well that means i'm supposed to compare my list of wrongs to your list of wrongs and um so it's not like yeah i believe all the things that i do are worse than the things that 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 you do that's not what it is
0: mm-hmm. and again this is flowing out of paul talking about himself as that's being what, the the it, worst of all sinners it's
1: actually getting down underneath the actual the actual thing that you did to the root of what drew, uh, to the, to the root of um, what drove and uh, developed whatever whatever list of sins are in the backstory of your life it's you know what at the core of who I am there's a rebel who's full of pride who wants to go my own way and at the core of who him I reject the goodness and the authority of God in my life and it is serious, it is so serious that it required that Jesus pay the ransom for my sin with his own body on the cross. And when you began to see like the deep, like the, the, the real root issue of the, of the sin in your life, it doesn't matter if your lie is worse than my lie or your your loss of anger is worse or not as bad as my how I lost anger and that, that's not what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're getting down to the core of what this is. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. And um, I am grieved over what my sin in no particular order, what my sin has done has been it's been a it's been a rebellion against the, the glory of God, how my sin has violated God's love for me, how it's it's violated the beauty of Jesus in this life that that he that he has given to me, how it violates what's good for other people, how it violates what's good for me. Like when you just start to, like when you really start to take seriously which your sin does, you're not going to have time to fixate on
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and really, and you'll lose your appetite for comparing um, the impact of other people's sin.
0: I had a a professor in seminary Mm -hmm. that described it kind of like if sin is like a rock, any rock thrown through a glass window Mm -hmm. is gonna break the window. It doesn't matter if that rock is a little rock or a big rock. The Mm -hmm. point is that the rock broke the window and we don't have the resources to fix the window. Jesus had the resources to fix the window. And to compare your rock to someone Mm -hmm. else's rock is completely irrelevant. It's all about acknowledging, I broke that window and I can't fix it. And being so grateful to the one who has the resources to do that for us
1: absolutely absolutely and so it's just it's just kind of it's just kind of getting there it's just kind of getting in that place and if we want to add into that you know what let's say let's say that you offended me let's say you you wronged me right and i it by all of my my disappointment my frustration all of that is valid you know i think there's some wisdom for me to remember i'm going to sin in the future Maybe in the next few minutes, maybe next week, maybe it, it's something. But I'm going to be doing something in the relatively near future where I'm going to need forgiveness and I'm going to need grace and and I'm and I'm going to be I'm going to be the the offender, not not the offended. And so, man, I, I don't want to get up on that horse too high, mm-hmm. right? I because who I I just I there's never going to be a time. That I'm not indebted to grace, mm. and I don't mean to promote a like, kind of a debtor's mentality where we're trying to pay something off. But it's just like the I just there. there there's never a time that I am not need, that I'm not in need of an infinite amount of grace from Jesus and grace from other people. Mm-hmm. And so if I remember that, then that's going to help me to be able to respond with humility to other people who maybe are in the wrong. Maybe they've wronged me, and they've le- they're legitimately in the wrong, and there's accountability that needs to be had, there's engagement that needs to be had, maybe justice that needs to be had, but you do so from a place of humility.
0: Mm-hmm. So, in that place of humility and that attitude towards grace, I think is what informs this statement, this idea of "I'll never be more disappointed in you than I am in me," yeah. in the healthy way. Yes. So let's though let let us talk about the uh, the ways that this could be misunderstood. Okay. So, you know, what about the person who is saying, I just kind of feel like a loser all the time already. <laughs> I'm already disappointed in myself. And uh, does this just uh, risk making someone feel like they're, it's just an aesthetic kind of flogging of themselves now?
1: Mm, yeah, and I would say that that would be a misunderstanding. And it's time to go back to the gospel and to let's, let's grow our fluency. In the gospel. Remember, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are, we are, we are utterly free. We are fully forgiven, fully loved, fully delighted in, because we are in Christ. And so, we are neither. When we understand the gospel, we are ni- we're, we're neither in this low position of of feeling shame and condemnation, but we're neither in a prideful position either. We are joyfully at the foot of Jesus, at the, at, the, at, the, at the foot of the cross, just praising him and delighting in him and finding our, our security and our standing in him. So it keeps us from going down into the depths, and it keeps us from going to the height of hubris or arrogance, and it, it keeps us, I think it keeps us steady.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, um, how are we doing? Mm-hmm. How are we doing with that?
0: Yeah, um,
1: I know you understand, but I mean you're 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 helping me explain this in a way that doesn't feel convoluted.
0: Yeah, I, I want you to speak first to the error of mm-hmm. someone who just has such a poor self-image mm-hmm. that this just feels like fuel to the fire of what they're already struggling with.
1: Yeah, I do not want anybody. I do not want anybody um, in shame. I do I do not I don't want anybody um, mired in that I don't want anybody feeling self-condemnation feeling self-loathing or any of that you are loved you are delighted in you are accepted you are whether you're, whether you're male or female you are you have the status of a firstborn son mm-hmm. as an heir right just know that right <laughs> just know that but just remember Remember, we didn't earn it, that it is a gift of grace. Mm -hmm. And we remember that. And when we remember that, what that should do is that it should fuel our delight and it should fuel our humility, but not a sense of shame or self-condemnation or self-loathing.
0: That's good. Yeah. Uh, speak to maybe a, another way that this could be misunderstood and misapplied. Maybe the person who's just saying, all right, I'm done looking at sin in anyone's life. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to focus on myself, and I'll just overlook sin mm-hmm. that I might see in sure. my brother or sister's lives.
1: And sometimes that's the right thing to do. Um, that's something that love does. Love covers, and and love often overlooks um, overlooks sin of, of others. I mean, think about Imagine you're in a conversation with someone, and you know they're they're in a space they're in a space where they're just kind of um, exhausted, they're emotionally fried, um, and they are they are less than kind, right? And maybe maybe they say something that's insulting or offensive, but you understand you understand what's going on, and you just say, "I love them. I'm gonna I'm gonna overlook that. I'm not holding that against them." So there's a real there's a real beauty in that. Um, it is not good. It is not helpful. It's not loving to anybody to ignore things that are hurting people, whether it's themselves or others. Mm-hmm. That's that's not good. Which that's is directly
0: out of chapter 1 of 1 Timothy when yes. the goal of mm-hmm. speaking against something that is distorting the gospel is love.
1: That's right. So all of Christian life comes down to this. What what is the what is the loving thing to do? What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love others in this situation? In Galatians, the apostle Paul said the whole law is summed up in this love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is this is this is what we're doing our whole lives. This is one of the reasons that we never that the we'll never reach the end. We always have a next step to take. We always have growth and maturity to understand what does love look like? How do I love here? This is this is the trajectory of the Christian life and, and growing in our understanding. Of how to love others, mm-hmm. and I wish I I wish that I had the capacity, the intelligence, the whatever to say to give like a quick sound bite. This is it. This is all you need to know. But that's just not what the Christian life is. It's continuing to grow, to aim at love, and to take our next steps and learning how to do that.
0: Mm. Well, I'm glad to, to finally be back after what's felt like uh, several months, even though it's it's not been that long, but it's been a long time since we've had it an does. opportunity to it, talk through.
1: It feels like it's been forever.
0: Yeah. Tonight. Glad glad to be back. And I'm looking forward to our conversation on our next. I, we already have some questions that have come in for our, uh, our next episode on the second chapter of this series. And I just want to remind people that if they're hearing the message and they have questions, we have uh, multiple opportunities for people to engage with this series. There's mm-hmm. the saturday night live q a that's that right you're doing so they mm-hmm. not everyone might be aware of that yet yeah uh, so we want to invite people to come uh if they're if saturday night fits with their schedule that there's an opportunity to ask questions right after the service
1: that's getting, that's becoming more and more fun people are asking um i think more and more challenging questions each saturday night i am actually i am loving it
0: yeah but i also love it as uh, spiritual formation, growth opportunity, because there's a lot that you can learn from mm-hmm. the questions that other people are asking oh, yeah. too. Yeah, uh,
1: so yeah. So it's
0: uh, it's not a class, but it's uh, it's a class like opportunity to learn mm-hmm. from all kinds of great questions being asked there.
1: I and I just want to let me put this plug in. If you've got a friend who you want to bring to church, bring them. And bring them to Saturday night. And the way we have it set up, people can ask questions anonymously. And your friend might have a question that they've been dying for uh, a pastor or church to speak to. And Mm -hmm. we wanna wanna provide that. It's part of us being a church that curious people, curious and skeptical people
0: love it today. And, and all questions are fair game at that. It's not necessarily only limited to what you've preached on that evening. Absolutely. Uh, but it can be a question about anything. But if people do have questions about the message, another opportunity they have is to send questions into podcast at autumnridge.church, and we're glad to talk about that here, too. Yeah. So uh, we'll look forward to continuing this series and uh, and charging ahead with where God's leading us through First Timothy.
1: All right.